It's Gardening Talkback for our sponsor, Sharp City Gardener, New Home, 324 Derby Street, Newcastle. Call now. 49216216. Welcome to Gardening Talk back on a Monday afternoon. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you back in the studio. Thank you. Here I am, warming the seat again. Warming the seat once again. Yes. Everything well? Uh, I had a very bittersweet weekend. Oh. I had my bike stolen yesterday afternoon. And the good part about that oh, was? Well, I was at a very nice party, <laughs> but it was, it was out in front of Scratchley's. It was full daylight, and I came out and my bike was gone. Oh. You should have got one of those electric bikes. I, well, I might have to steal one of those now. <laughs> Scott Sharp, what do you got for us today? I thought we'd talk about uh, indoor plants, rubber plants, uh, a new one uh, called Homa Lamina, Magi, and uh, a good plant if you've got some salty, windy conditions, Hibiscus Rubra. Hibiscus Rubra. 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 Yes. And we've got Mark on the line, and he's got a question about gardenias. G'day, Mark. How can we help you, mate? Uh, just a quick question, mate. I've got, a, like, out the front, I've got a hedge going of gardenias. So I've got about 10, but in the same spot, this is the second time I've replaced the trees, and they've both died. So originally when I, they died, I took them out, changed the soil, and put some new ones in, but they've gone straight down the, the same path again to, to tree heaven. Okay. That doesn't sound too good. Uh, look, I, I guess the one thing with gardenias is that they are a little bit sensitive to the pH of the soil. So if you've had someone, uh, you know, for instance, wash out a, you know, a, a concrete, you know, barrow or something in that area or, uh, you know, it's, it's become slightly acidic or alkaline for some reason, then your uh, gardenia is not going to be happy in that, in that particular spot. And that sounds like something has happened there, uh, you know, for you to put something in and, for, you know, just very, uh, you know, in a very defined spot that those uh, particular plants are dying. So what I would do is grab some of that uh, soil in the area. And uh, take it into your local garden centre and just get them to do a pH test on it for you. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. And, and that's that, it, cause, sorry, mate, yes? Can... Yeah, because, yeah, it is, they just, the, the leaves turn like a yellow and they fall off and then they just become, yeah, dead. Yeah, okay. Uh, look, and again, when you put a new gardenia in the ground, make sure it's being well watered, especially, uh, you know, if it's windy and dry like it is at the moment. On the ground, still very dry, so you just have to make sure they are well watered. Beautiful. Okay. All right. Thanks for your help. That's all right, mate. Look, that's, they do, right. that's all right. They really like acidic. Uh, Thank you. Con- they really like acidic conditions, so cow manure is an ideal uh, fertilizer for gardenias. A good start. It is, yeah. All right. Well, we've got Anne from Gillison Heights, and she's got a question about crepe myrtles. Hello, Anne. How can we help you? Hi, how are you? Um, we have two crepe myrtles we planted out in the front of our house back in um, uh, early autumn of 16. We've planted them to give us some shade to throw through sun on the front of our house where our bedroom is because we face east, so we get intense heat throughout the day in there until the sun moves. Um, they've been a bit slow in growing, and they didn't really flower at all this year, this season. They're in a retaining wall around about one metre high, a bit over. Mm-hmm. Um, I've used um, slow-risk fertiliser on them, like sea salt, and um, over time... Uh, um, a tree and shrub fertiliser as well in pellets um, and also we mulch sort of around the base with sugar cane mulch as well. Okay, so, uh, now, yeah, so you, you just said that they're uh, sort of planted in, in, in a retaining wall area? Well, in a, it's a retaining, yeah, there's um, between the front of the house and the next level down onto the gaia, the lawn that runs down to the street, there's a small retaining wall, so it's sort of back from that between the house and the, the retaining wall. Okay. And have you so, got uh, grass actually around the trunks of yes. the plants? Okay. Yeah, but there, we have um, the cement 
surrounds um, divide like circular things around mm-hmm. the trees, so they're not actually straight in the grass. Yeah, okay. And that, it's buffalo. It's actually buffalo grass that the that the lawn's made out of. Yeah, look, that that's I'm really not made out of. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good that uh, you know where the buffalo roam sort of thing. But that's yeah. really good yeah. that you've got uh, you know the grass away from them because grass yeah. up against the trunk of a plant it, it really stops any moisture getting yeah. down into the soil. Yeah. It stops any yeah. nutrients getting down into the soil. So it's important that you just uh, you know that you're watering and fertilising in that area. Look, yeah. I, I would say don't be concerned at this stage. Uh, mm-hmm. A couple of things. You know, you're in that retained area, so the moisture is yeah. naturally going to be wanting to drop away and, yeah. and down away from the plant. Uh, right. So just keep on watering, mulching like you're doing, uh, and yeah. use some fertilizer, uh, probably yeah. some cow manure as well if you'd like to, okay. as, as well yeah. as the pelletized ones that you're using. Yeah. And uh, yeah. just keep on to it. What you'll find is it'll struggle, struggle, struggle like it has been for a couple of years. Yeah. And then all of a sudden its root system will have spread out enough. Uh, okay. And then all of a sudden you'll find it will just take off for you, right. you know, okay. over the course of a season. Okay. And to prune them, um, I know we shouldn't, we've got a couple of... Um, um, other trees out here we've just pruned, um, but you don't, we don't, I can't think of the name of them. Oh, mop tops actually, we've mm-hmm. got. So we've just pruned them for this season, but we've never pruned the, um, the branches off the, um, the crepe myrtle. So I know when you've said before that you to do it, but not to do it as aggressively as the mop tops. Yeah. So, um, is it, should we be cutting them back now or just leave them, uh, look, the branches? You, look, you can certainly cut back your mop tops really hard like yeah. you said you have been. Yeah. When, when yeah. you start cutting back crepe myrtles, they get what you call a knuckle. Uh, right. You know, the, the, it starts to get that really gnarly, woody spot there and you get the shoots right. coming back out of that. Uh, okay. Look, for the first couple of years, I would probably, without seeing the plant, just yeah. let it sort of naturally go on its own way okay. right, uh, yeah. because you want as much, uh, you know, infrastructure there of the plant yeah. to you know to put out its leaves and you know soak up all the sunlight and, and grow mm-hmm. that way. Look, giving right, it yeah. a light prune back at this stage might not be a bad thing, uh, yeah. just to stop uh, you know to stop any shoots just you know going straight up into the sky uh, yeah. and just getting a fuller and thicker plant moving upwards. So just a, okay. a very light sort of shave over the top if you'd like to. You like right, another? Yeah. What would that be? A number three or a number four? Number right, three. Yeah. Number three. Yeah, okay. number three. Give it, okay. give it another three. Not a number two like no. my husband gets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, we've got a couple of branches there that sort of hang down low, and, um, you know, I'm only sort of just five foot, and they sort of even hit my head. So um, so we might just cut those ones off a bit, yeah. I think, and just leave the top. The sort of the canopy at the top yep. a bit, and and look, and, and again, getting back to that watering, uh, yeah. look, this uh, you know this last year that we had, you know, obviously it's been very very dry, and a lot of plants have been suffering, uh, you mm. know, through summer this year. So it, it okay. might just be as well that you know it just hasn't had much growth, and, and you know what happens okay. when it rains, plants, you know, they really respond to that. The grass responds to it, so uh, yeah. we'll keep on watering. Hopefully, we get some decent rain this coming season, and I think you'll find they'll just take off for you. Right. Okay. Thank you. Thank okay. you for your help. Thanks for that, Anne. Have a nice afternoon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Then we've got Gavin from Soldiers Point, and he's got a question about soil. G'day, Gavin. How can we help you? Uh, yeah, mate. I'm um, interested to know if you can put me onto a couple of um, books on, on soils and that. Like, I used to be in the industry years ago, but I got out of it because my mum was getting dementia, and I um, I was looking after her, and it'd be oh, probably... 10, 15 years since I've been in the industry and I want to brush up a bit on on soils and that and I know there was a really good textbook when I was, I was actually going to tech and I was just wondering what, what the text is nowadays. 
Um, so, yeah, I don't know whether you can help me or not, but, uh, yeah, that's a big question. Yeah, mate, look, I'm probably not going to be able to help you out too much with that. Uh, I love the internet, um, but <laughs> we won't go down that path. Um, look, if I were you, I would probably jump on the internet and uh, go onto, you know, like a, a bookshop, uh, you know, sort of website and just see what's there. Uh, also, you know, just go into your local bookshop and see if they can help you out. They usually have catalogues and things that they'll be able to give you some information about. But, uh, you know, the other way that you might be able to get some more information is to, uh, you know, ring up your the TAFE and, and ask to speak to somebody uh, in the horticultural section about that. And they might be able to put you onto, you know, just a good textbook, an up-to-date textbook to have a read of. Yeah, Thanks, mate. Okay, I'm sorry I couldn't I'll, help I'll you out. I'll try all in. No, that's all right. I thought it was worth a try anyway, mate. You don't uh, you don't learn if you don't try. So, you know. Okay. Have a good day. Okay, good on you, Gavin. Have a nice afternoon, mate. Bye. Cheers, bye-bye. And we've got Anne now from Morissette, and she's got a question about Gora. Yep, Gaura. Gora. Gaura. Gora, Gaura. And I don't know how to say the other one. Di- Diosmas. Diosmas. Anne, can you say those two names for us? Me? Sorry. Yes, how are you? <laughs> yes, hello. hello, Scott. Not bad, thanks. Yeah, well, I, I call it Gura. Go, go, oh, there's a, oh, third, yeah, there's a third option. Gura seeds, yeah. Okay. Um, what I wanted to know was, um, I have lots of seeds from the plants, um, but I, or from a plant, but I want to know, before planting, and they're as hard as a rock, do you know if they need heating or smoking or soaking or something before you can plant them? Because obviously they're not, they don't do anything, just fall on the ground. Yeah, look, I always think a good idea is just to soak them in some water. Um, I remember the old trick from school as well. Remember, we used to get the, uh, you know, like the beans, um, like sprouts. Yep. And you'd grow them in some cotton wool, and that's always a good way. You can just uh, have them on the cotton wool wool, and uh, just keep that moist, and that, uh, you know, starts to soak into the seed. But it doesn't, uh, you know, keep it so wet and, and sort of soggy like you've got it, you know, you know, just sitting in pure water. Right, I oh, know. I didn't think of that. Yeah, I'm so that, that's a good idea to do that, and uh, yeah, have have a bit of a flashback to school. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And the other one was um, diosmas. Do they have a lifespan? Yes, they do. So uh, you know, th- plants like that are you know wattles, diosmas. Uh, you know, they grow very, very quickly for you. But I generally say, you know, after you get to about seven or eight years with those particular natives, that it's, uh, yeah, it's sort of time to pull them out. They get a bit woody. Uh, diosmas are really particular about cutting back. You can only really lightly shave them. Uh, yes. So, yeah, look, after about seven or eight years, it's, it's probably time to pull them out and start again. Okay. All right, then. Good. Thank you very much. Okay, for thanks help. for that, Anne. Bye-bye. Bye. You can still get cress, I think, in that as well with your little cotton wool. Oh, you are having flashbacks to primary school. Mm, yeah, that's, that's what I remember. Yeah, I, I remember doing it. It was all quite fun, wasn't it? You know, you see the seed emerging and the little leaf had come out. It was all good. That and the potato in the jar. Uh, yeah, I don't. What happens there? I think it sprouts. I don't know. I don't oh, remember. Okay. I so, just remember being, seeing a potato in the jar with toothpicks in it. Okay, so you could feed your family for weeks and weeks. Yeah, yep. that, might, that might have been something else as well. Oh, okay, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> it was a science experiment. We've got June now, also from Morissette, and she's got a question about her tomatoes. Hello, June. How can we help you? Um, hello, Scott. Um, I planted tomatoes oh, about the 24th of March, and um, I was away for a while. And then when I came home on the 22nd of the next month, April, um, they had shot up. They were so tall and everything, and um, they were fruiting already. And the first lot that came on, they were ripened up, you know, but I haven't had any of the others ripen, and it's just a mass of green tomatoes everywhere on the plants and I just wondered is there anything that you can do 
to add sort of extra heat or something to <laughs> be able to ripen them at all or not. You mean like t- turn up the sun or make it sum- <laughs> summer again? Something <laughs> like that. Look, uh, look, I, I don't know, short of uh, like transplanting the uh, tomatoes and heading off to Spain or Italy at this time of year, I don't, <laughs> there's uh, not much else I'd you like can... I'd like to do that. Yeah, well, I'd, wouldn't we all? <laughs> but look, I guess what I'm getting to there is that what it is that, that ripens up your uh, you know, fruit, you know, citrus fruit, tomatoes, passion fruit, uh, is the sunlight and the warmth. And once mm. you get to this time of year, if there's still fruit sitting on the vine or the plant, uh, chances are it's not going to, to ripen up for you. Uh, look, okay. You can leave it on there and keep fingers crossed and uh, hope that it does. But even if it does ripen up, you know, somewhat, you're still not going to have uh, you know, that really great, uh, you know, sort of yeah, sun-ripened yeah. flavour that you get in the plant. So it might be best just, you know, to, to tear it out and uh, give it another crack, uh, you know, when yeah, you get to August or September. Yeah, and I've never seen tomatoes so loaded on, <laughs> on tomato vines as what they are on these. Well, see, what's, even though it's not sunny, what's happened is that the tomatoes aren't as susceptible to, you know, pest and disease at this time of year because it's dry there's no humidity you know all the insects have you know gone home to roost mm-hmm. um, you know fl- they've flown north for the winter they're probably you know s- you know sort of uh, sunning it up and you know sunny sorrento or somewhere like yeah. that or capri yep. kicking their heels up yep that's what i'd yeah. be doing i'd be a sun lounge if i was a little fruit fly i'd, I'd be just <laughs> <laughs> i know i thought if i if i bought plastic i wonder whether that is make extra heat there whether uh, that would be at any advantage but look, it won't I, be. I think what would it happen you just start to sweat more than anything or, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I guess right. look if you were really really um, you know into it you could probably get some tin foil or something and create you know like in the marsh and you could create heat heat reflectors or something to try and do it but I, I don't really know if that would work no. or not no okay okay all right then okay sorry okay. about that Jean. thank you very okay. much Scott. Okay. right bye bye, bye. Can you have those things where you, you know, when people have the beach and they have those reflector things, so they get more sun, uh, like coconut oil? No, so they have like that, like that tin foil, but they have like a stick of it and they have it in front of them, so they get more sun. I've, nev- I've never seen those. What beach do you go to? Um, private ones, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. And we've got Roger from Aberglassen. He's got some weeds in his garden. Roger, how can we help you? Oh, Scott, um, I've got a buffalo lawn, but I do have in places some kikuyu grass. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm wondering if I was to let the ki- let the lawn just grow tall without mowing it and then got uh, rubber gloves with a cotton glove over the top of that with straight roundup and just stroke the leaves with that, would you reckon that would do the job? Yeah, look, that, that should, should do, the, do the job for you, and that's what I recommend when you've got uh, you know a problem like that to use glyphosate. But yeah, like you said, any, you've got to remember anything it touches, uh, you yeah. know, it's going to kill. So make sure that you're you know very careful about sort of just you know rubbing rubbing your hands up that kai yeah. uh, Look, the trouble with it is that the root system's still in the ground, and the yeah. longer you wait, the more that's going to be spreading out, and the more likely it is uh, you know it's going to come back. So it's something you're going to have to be fairly persistent about doing. No, but look, yeah, certainly give that a try. Mate, the other thing I always recommend if you're going to do that, stick some glasses, some sunglasses or something over your face so you don't, you know, inadvertently go and rub your eye, um, you know, with a glyphosate oh, yeah. sort of uh, cotton glove. Yep. So make sure you do that as well. We're all about, sa- we're all about safety here. Safety first. Yeah. Safety first. Uh, also in my garden, I've got, it's like a clover leaf, uh, but under the, it's got a bulb on the bottom of it. How do I get rid of that? It sounds like it could be some sort of oxalis. Uh, it might be that you're just going to have to, again, use the glyphosate method on that. Uh, often right. often when you pull things out, uh, you know, that doesn't work because the bulb breaks away. 
yep. and it doesn't work too well. I'll be probably using the glypho method on that with the with the uh, cotton glove. Uh, again, be very very careful about what you touch. Uh, look, bindi. Uh, and clover killer will do some oxalis, so it might be worth even getting some of that and just doing a spot spray to see if you can control it that way. All right. Yeah, and and that way you can actually, you know, with with um, bindi, it's a selective herbicide, so it doesn't really, you know, matter if you get the grass around it. But if failing that, then you'd have to use the glyphosate. Thank you, kindly, Scott. Okay, you have a nice afternoon, Roger. Thank you. you. Okay, bye-bye. bye. I think someone said last week they used an eyedropper. Yes. To get right in there. That's pretty particular, isn't it? It is very particular. Yeah, yeah. Good idea, though. Yep. Well, the old pipette, if we're going to get, like, scientific back to high school, remember the old pipette? What's the pipette? You put this thing in and you put your thumb over the end, and as you take your thumb off, it'd it'd drain back down. But I I think, you know, if you went to give a thumbs up to someone who was driving past your garden, it'd all just drain down onto your your lawn. So probably not a good idea doing it. Not the best idea. Or you could get, like, a baster, maybe. The old turkey baster. Yep, go. Yep. You could do that. That's probably going to let out a little bit too much. I think the eyedropper would be a good idea. <laughs> Depends how big your weed is. Absolutely. We've got Brian from Gorican now, and he's got a question about the lily pilly. How can we help you with it, Brian? Yeah, um, um, Scott, I've got, I've got two lily pillies and another one that I don't know the name of, and I'll describe it later. Mm-hmm. But the first, the, the lily pillies, I've got, um, <clears throat> they've got a, a stem. It's, it's, it's full of greenery on the top. Mm-hmm. It's got a just a long stem that goes up about maybe two and a half metres and then it spreads out like a big umbrella. Yes. I want to get it right down below the fence line. If I chopped it halfway up that straight stem, will it come back? Yes, it certainly will for you, mate. Yeah, it certainly will. I probably wouldn't do it at this time of year. Uh, a bit cold and you're not going to get too much growth happening if you do that pruning job. Uh, and the other thing is any new growth that comes out will probably be burnt by the cold weather. So it's always best when you're going to do a heavy prune like that to wait until you know the middle weeks of August and, yeah. uh, and then give it a crack then. And certainly it'll, it'll just shoot back from the bottom again for you. Okay. Uh, and the other one is a, it's a very common, common shrub that they use, the council use, and people use them for hedges. They've got red leaves. Um, oh, yes, yeah. It sounds like Fetinia. That could be the one. Very, very common. Yes, yeah. I want to do the same thing with that. Yeah, absolutely, mate. But again, uh, you know, um, be aware of that proviso. Don't do it, uh, you know, until mid-August again when it warms up. Yeah, okay. But okay. I can chop it down as low as I want. Abs- you think? Absolutely, it'll it'll shoot back for you. Uh, look, I've got a couple of dogs at my place, um, the mangy old mutts of mine, and uh, if uh, they don't like two-stroke mowers uh, or whippersnippers, so if they hear one, they'll just tear plants apart. And one of them has torn my lily pilly right down to the ground. But lo and behold. Uh, it's it's still come back and it's uh, regrowing again. So yeah, don't be worried, mate. They'll they'll both come back for you if you give them a hard prune. And you're really confident that that the lily pilly with a straight stem from the ground will come back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like I said, my dogs have torn it down. You know, to probably three inches above the ground, and it has come back. Okay. Okay. Good, thank you. Okay. Yep. Not a worry. Bye. Cheers. Thanks. Well, maybe Brian might prove you wrong. No, no, we don't want Brian to prove me wrong. We want Brian to prove me right, okay? Don't oh, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. Well. It's Gardening Talkback on 2 URFM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, 49216216. And we've got Pauline from Salamander Bay, and she's got a question about camellias. Hello, Pauline. How can we help you? Oh, um, hi, how are you going? Um, look, my camellia, I've got, I can't tell you which one it is, but it's always, when it flowers, the most gorgeous, fluffy, beautiful pink flowers, the petals start dropping off immediately. Mm. They just don't last. What's wrong? 
Yeah, look, unfortunately, camellias are one of those plants that get, you know, a little bit optimistic about their um, chances in the world. And what they do is they set usually too much flower. Uh, and so it can manifest itself in you know a number of ways where the bud can drop off before it even opens up, or once it does open up, uh, it you know the flowers just drop off very quickly. And the other thing, it's very dry out there still. Uh, you know, there's not much moisture in there for those plants to be uh, you know utilising at the moment to keep the flower on there. So unfortunately, camellias will do that. I mean, naturally, I guess they're fairly short-lived as a flower anyway. It's not like they'll set a flower and it'll sit there for you know a week and a half. Uh, but I would suggest that, uh, you know, it's just a little bit overburdened, especially with the dry conditions that we've got. Uh, and look, the one other thing you can do to promote uh, fruiting and flowering in a plant and make a stronger flower is uh, get some sulphate of potash and uh, start watering that into the soil. It just doesn't happen once. You'd have to start building it into the soil over this coming year. And uh, that will certainly help, uh, you know, retain flowers and, and probably even have more flowers on there as well for you. So, and plenty of water in the ground because it's sand. We live on sand. Yes, here. you do. So, I mean, you've got the double bunger at the moment where it, uh, you know, hasn't been uh, much rain coming down from the skies, and as well, you're on sand, so you know it's just going to drain away. So that would be, you know, sort of compromising the plant a little bit uh, when it's you know, in full flowering mode as well. And so I should should go through it and pull half the buds off um, to give it a chance? Oh, look, a look you, you can do that if you want to, but uh, look, in the end, I guess, uh, you know, those flowers will come in there. They might only live, you know, half as long, but you'll, I guess you'll have twice as much bud uh, on the plant to, to uh, you know, they get that really nice appearance from the, from the flowers. Mm, and it's sulfurated potash, you uh, said. Yeah, sulfate of potash is the go, uh, yep. and it's really great for flowering plants. And for, fruit, oh, for, for fruiting plants as well. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. That's wonderful. That's all right. You have a nice okay. afternoon, Pauline. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Gee, thanks, Pauline. Now, a little bit earlier, we um, June had some problems with ripening her tomatoes. Mm. Now, Roberts from Roman Terrace might have a bit of an idea of how to help her out. That's good. How can we help? How can you help us, Robert? Uh, well, quickly, basically, she builds a cheap type of a glass house over it. Get some clear plastic. Yeah, and put that over the top, over the plant. Yes, particularly with the sunlight coming through, but the plastic will keep the heat in. Yeah, so you'd you'd want it to still breathe though in some way, like down the bottom. Oh yes. yeah, yeah, you yeah. Want, you have it. You don't have it right down to the ground. You'd have it up, leave it an inch or two, because as you know, it doesn't take much for the and the fresh air, the oxygen will come in at the bottom. Yes, yeah, and probably a couple of little holes in the top to let the carbon dioxide out. Yep, yep. Okay, and you know, and she could probably do that fairly cheap. Yeah, no, that's that's true. That's a that's a really good suggestion. I I, I just don't like the idea of you know like tying uh, you know a plastic bag or something around it because it'll just sweat too much and the fruit will just rot off if you, if you do oh, that. Oh yeah, get it say three stakes and just have it that it's clear from the plant a bit. Yeah, like a, almost like like a little Indian teepee over the tomato. Yes, you could do that. Or a yeah. Plastic. Yeah. Plastic glasshouse. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Thank you very much for that, Robert. Okay, good. Okay, have a nice afternoon, mate. Cheers. Yeah, same to you. Thank you. Bye bye. Thanks, Robert. Guarding talk back on to NURFM. We've got Carmel from Corlett. She's got a question about bamboo. Carmel, uh, have you got a pet panda up there that you need feeding? <laughs> that'd be good, wouldn't it? <laughs> Actually, that'd be really sweet, wouldn't it? It would be. Now, the question I want to ask you, um, Scott, um, we have a swimming pool in our back garden, but the fence running around the boundary uh, needs some sort of screening because the home behind us 
is a two-storey home that kind of looks into our garden. Now, I've seen a bamboo put around the swimming pools, not right up close, but mm-hmm. within a few metres. Is there new bamboo now that doesn't go running through the water? Oh, yes, absolutely. So most of the bamboos you'll get now are clumping bamboos. A good one for you to get would be probably Textilis gracilis. Uh, it, it's, it only gets a few metres high, uh, yeah. so you don't have to worry. They'll only clump out. They won't run. I guess the only problem having bamboo around the pool is that uh, during winter they will shed some leaves, so you just have to be yeah. aware of that, uh, you know, to have sure. your, your creepy crawly, you know, chugging away in there just to make sure it doesn't clog up with leaves. But, uh, look, uh, look, they're not too bad. I know a number of pools that have got bamboo around them, and it does. It, it creates a really nice, tall, narrow screen, uh, and it yeah. gives it, a, you know, quite a tropical look. And, uh, yeah, you can swim in there uh, in peace. Is there anything else that you would suggest that would grow reasonably fast and look tropical? I don't want marayas or mm. palms. I just want something, you know, a little tropical looking maybe. Yeah, look, there's not, there's not much else that you can, uh, you know, put in uh, apart. You know, lily pillies will do that for you. Uh, whether they look tropical or not, I, probably not. Uh, no. That doesn't mean you couldn't intersperse a few palms in there just to, to give it that feel. But I think bamboo is probably a good way for you to go. All right. Oh, that's great. Thank you okay. so much, Thank Scott. you, Carmel. Thank Cheers. You. Bye-bye. Bye for now. Bye. We've got David from Fern Bay, and he's got a question about cascading lilypillies. Hi, David. How can we help you, mate? Yeah, good on you, Scott. Two, two things. One, I was listening to your program, and I, the chat with the uh, eyedropper for weed killing, you yes, know? Yes, yep, yep. Mate, I reckon I've got a better one than that. Okay, give it to I us, use, mate. I use wooden clothes pegs, soak them in Roundup, and then clip them to the weed. Oh, oh. Yeah, that's very clever, isn't it? And it, and it works. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we're, just, we're just checking up on that side of, of the equation. So, what? So, how long do you soak them in the uh, in the glyphosate? Well, I do it overnight. Okay, and you just do it in straight glypho? Uh, concentrated and water it down. You do water it and down, okay? It in, yeah, and I use a little jug, plastic yeah. jug that I measure out the you know the quantities. Okay. And stick the pegs in there. What we've got is a, a those little blocks, you know, concrete blocks, on a um, a garden, you know, mm-hmm. and and the the grass gets underneath that. And then I was told to put a barrier down there, which I did, yeah. 100 mils deep, and it still didn't stop them. And then I thought, well, hang on. How about if I clip them on there? Yeah, it does the job. So beautiful. Okay. Oh, that, that's a really clever idea. Thanks for that, mate. Thank you. No okay. worries. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the other thing, Scott, I've uh, got these cascading lily pillies mm-hmm. as a, as a uh, screening around the backyard. Yes. We've, we're, in a, we're in an over 50s, you know, so they're not, uh, not a lot of space there. But I'm, the lily pillies, I need it for a little bit of privacy. And so they're over two metres, mm-hmm. but they're, they're, from the ground, they're leaving a, a hole. Uh... Probably. Oh, you okay. Know what I mean? So there's a gap like between a, a gap between where the leaves are between that that and the ground, is there? That's it, exactly. Yeah. And then okay. between there's there's about eight lily pillies, and between there there's probably a meter high gap mm-hmm. by you know getting close to a meter wide. Okay, mate. Are, are you pruning them at the top at all? Yes. Okay, because that's that's what you have to do. Essentially, you're you're giving the plant the message: Hey, plant, we don't want you growing up here. If you're going to grow anywhere you're going to grow yep. down the bottom. So that's important to get it to the height you want and then just keep on taking off the top of it. 
and oh, yeah. it will start to shoot out from the bottom. It will always will it? it will always be slow because naturally, you know, any plant's going to want to reach up for the light, but eventually it will get the message. And yep. and it will start to come out from the bottom and bottom and fill back out for you. But then it's important that you keep on, you know, pruning across the top and, uh, yeah, you know, right. you know, keep on I'm, reinforcing to that plant what yep. you want it to do. Yeah, I was trying to do from the top as it was going up, you mm-hmm. know, in stages. Um, but anyway, is there something a fertilizer, good fertilizer for those? Yeah, look, yeah. There's uh, what I do though because they are a native plant. Make sure you go and get a yep. native fertilizer. Uh, you just yes. have to be a bit careful about using, uh, you know, manures uh, on them because it will just absorb it and burn the living bejesus out of them. So make sure yep. you go and uh, get a native-specific fertilizer. Some of them like yep. bounce back, uh, you know, sudden impact. Those, uh, you know, those uh, uh, sort of pelletized fertilizers, they will have oh, yeah. instructions yep. on the back. Uh, okay. which gives you a measurement of how much you can use on a native plant. Uh, blood uh-huh. and bones, also another good fertiliser, nice safe fertiliser to use on native plants. You can use it willy-nilly almost. Is that um, right, blood and bones? Yeah, blood and bones, very safe on yeah. native plants and plants <laughs> in pots as well. But whatever you do, mate, just make sure you check out those instructions and use it specific yep. to native plants. Wonderful. Yep. Wonderful. Okay. okay, great. Yeah, all done. Okay, thanks very much, David. Good on you, okay. Scott. Okay. Bye. Talk to you later. Cheers. Bye. So we've got Robin now from Toronto, and she's got a question about yellow leaves on her roses. Hello, Robin. How can we help you with it? Um, I'm just wondering if I have to do anything, or is it just normal, yellow leaves? Yeah, look, yellow, yellow, leaves, yellow leaves at this time of year are fairly normal on your rose. Uh, you know, they, they should be starting to look a bit ugly at the moment uh, in anticipation of pruning. Uh, so they will be starting to drop their leaves. They'll be yellowing off. Uh, look, it's still very dry, like we've been saying again. So I would not be concerned about that at all. Uh, once we get into June, uh, you know, uh, probably the middle of June, uh, end of June, that's when it's time to start fertilising uh, and pruning your roses. And we'll talk about that uh, closer to time, about pruning and fertilising roses. But certainly wait until it gets really cold before you do that. All right. Okay, then. Thank you very much. Thank you, Robin. Thank you. Bye. It's Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. I think we've got time for a couple more calls, A couple Scots. more. We'll squeeze them in. And we've got Glenn from North Rothbury, and he's got a question about cuttings. Cuttings. Okay, Glenn, how can we help you? Uh, hi, Scott. Yeah, look, I was just... I've got a bougainvillea uh, and a bamboo uh, plant my mm-hmm. daughter has. She wants to get rid of and I want to take some cuttings. Are they successful to do, and how would you do it? Yeah, okay, so more so with the bougainvillea. Uh, when does she want to get rid of it? Because taking cuttings now as we sort of rush headlong into the ski season and, and the cold and the, and the winter, uh, you know, not the best time to try and get a plant to strike. Usually you wait until oh, okay. you know, August or spring to do that. And sure. uh, with the bougainvillea, look, you just take some cuttings from up the top. Uh, mate, if you've got a warm spot of veranda... Uh, you know, you could even create a little glass house or something over the top, uh, like we were talking about before, to try and get it to strike and see how you go with that. Uh, with bamboo, uh, very difficult at this time of year. I mean, bamboo is difficult enough to strike uh, regardless. It's actually a very difficult oh, plant to propagate. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it gr- it, if you put it in the ground, the running one, um, you know, it's, it grows very, you know, easily and people think it, it's a weed and, and look, in some ways, bamboo is a weed, not, not the clumping one, but the running one is. Sure. Uh, but getting it to strike is is actually very difficult. Uh, the way to do that, though, is you cut the bamboo and you get you know the knobbly bit, the node, the internode. Yeah. Uh, you have yep. basically have a you cut on you know like on the upper side of one internode. You have an internode in the middle, and then you cut on the lower side of the you know the one up the top. 
yep. and you stick that in the ground or into your propagation mix and hopefully you'll get uh, shoots coming out from that node that's just been left above the soil level. Uh, uh, but right, mate, sure. it's, it's very difficult. That's why it's very expensive to buy in the garden centres. Yeah, uh, because that's what I thought. Yeah. Because the propagation, uh, you know, the rate of it is very, very low. Uh, you know, if you stuck a lily pilly or maria cuttings in, you might get close to 100% of those striking. But if, with uh, with bamboo, you're probably only getting 50 or 60% because it is just very, uh, okay. very problematic could you, could to strike. Could you dig a little bit up, like a, um, a chunk out of the ground and try and transplant that? Look, you can give that a try. Um, I've heard people trying to do that. And again, uh, it look, just doesn't seem to work for some reason. But give it a crack and... Um, mm. You know, you've, only, you've just expend a bit of uh, sort of muscle energy on it and we'll see what happens. Okay. All right, good on you. Thanks very much. Okay. Thanks, Good Tom. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Scott, I think we've got a couple more minutes left. So that's one more time for one more caller. Okay, let's let's go around again. We've got Kathy from Spheres Point, and she wants to know, what is the best time to shift a frangipani? You've got yes, a, that's right. How, yes, how, that's big right. Is, how big is it, Kathy? Uh, it's about a, meet, a good metre now. Yeah. Yes, I, 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 I had a cupping and I put it in my veggie garden. I've left it there. And it's just so healthy and gorgeous looking, lovely shape. And now I want to put it where I plan to actually have it grow. Yeah, okay. Look, you can transplant that now if you want to. Uh, You know, they're getting close to being dormant. Uh, This is the time, you know, when they start doing propagation of them, they'll they'll do the cuttings and leave them to dry out for a few weeks before they replant them in the ground. So certainly digging it out at the moment is uh, not a problem for you. Look, mm-hmm. the, the main thing, Kathy, is to take as much soil as possible with it. Yeah. And then when you stick it in uh, where you want it to be, make sure you water that well. It's not really going to absorb up too much moisture at the moment, but still do so. Uh, and look, I would have to say that staking it is going to be, you know, vitally important uh, for the next six months or so until, you know, it gets growing again and that root system spreads out and it can sustain itself. Oh, thank you so much. That's, That's right. really good. Yeah, so thank you very much. I would yes, make a, just to finish off, I'd make a, a tripod, you know, like three stakes in there and actually have it so that the plant can move around just a little bit, um, not just a single stake. That tends to restrict the plant just a little bit too much. So. Right, yeah. Okay. Good advice. Three's always stronger than one as well. Exactly. Mm. Well, isn't this three's a crowd? Oh, it could be, yeah, Okay. Okay, but three is always stronger than one, but can be a crowd. Can be a crowd, yeah. So yeah. Don't, don't double date then. Exactly. Yes. So four is right out. Uh, no way. <laughs> no way. Scotch up. We're almost out of time for another week, and we had all these things at the start once again. Oh, I know. My bike. Your, bi- <laughs> your bike's <laughs> my- gone. <laughs> they didn't take my Lycra, though. That, that was a bit weird. That's there. Yeah. You think if they're going to take the bike, they'll take my Lycra. Yeah, you think they would. They would, yeah. But so you... Take your lycra off. Oh, let's not go there. I think we need to. <laughs> it changed after you ride your bike. And public. <laughs> Fair enough. We're all different. Um, rubber plants, though. You mentioned at the top. Yes, rubber plants. A really good indoor plant. Uh, you can get uh, variegated ones. You can get uh, rubra, which is a very dark burgundy. Yep. Uh, so they'll work very well in low light conditions inside. The great proviso with them is, though, don't, once you finish with them inside and you think, oh, I'm tired of that plant now, don't go and plant it out in the garden because it will turn into an absolute monster. Oh, right. Yeah. So, yeah, the old rubber plant, uh, a very, very nice plant to uh, to have inside. So if you want a huge plant... Yeah, that's what do you mean by monster? Like, like it will. It, I've seen rubber plants take over people's backyards and threaten the next door neighbour's children. Like, so we're talking pet shop of horrors. Yeah, they really are. Yeah, yeah, like oh. you know, many, many meters high. 
Right. Yeah, like 10, 20 metres high and just spread out, aerial roots coming down. Yeah, you, they take dogs, they'll cats. You know. <laughs> they're, 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 they are a monster of a plant. Oh, actually, quickly. Yes. Um, I'm planting garlic. Any tips? Uh, put it in the ground and, and watch it grow. Excellent. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Sharp, always a pleasure, and I'll catch you next week. Okay. Rightio.